Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our New Nature series, which talks about what the fruit of the Spirit should look like in the daily life of the believer. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. All right, take your Bibles, if you will, and let's go to John chapter 14 tonight, John 14, and uh, I do realize we've taken up a little bit extra time, and so I'll shorten my sermon a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit, and uh, try to get through this tonight. But I, and I look forward to sharing with you more about Israel uh, over the course of the next, I don't know, few years. I will be using a lot of pictures and different things in preaching and have a lot of illustrations and things that I think will, will bring a little more life to it. Uh, but you know, one thing that kind of brought some life uh, to one of the stories in my mind, uh, Mark chapter 4. If you go, you don't need to turn there, but... <clears throat> I want to give it by way of introduction a little bit tonight, but Mark chapter four is the time when Jesus uh, and the disciples, they're on the Sea of Galilee. And it was referenced in the video. Of course, they're in a boat and Jesus is asleep on the boat and the disciples, they're, uh, they're you know, wigging out thinking that the storm is going to take them under. And then they wake Jesus up and Jesus just simply says three words. What were those three words? Peace be still. Peace be still, and the calm, the 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 uh, storm calmed, and the winds ceased. And it says that the disciples they looked at Jesus and they said, "What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him?" But the three words that Jesus said: "Peace be still." Peace be still. The word peace is what we're going to look at tonight. We're in this series, uh, The New Nature. You started two weeks ago and discovered with my dad uh, the new nature out of Galatians chapter 5, that when we receive Christ as our Savior, that the Holy Spirit moves into us, and we then take on the character of the Spirit of God. And uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And so we have to understand that when we got saved, the character of Jesus comes into our life. And what does that character look like? Well, it looks like love, joy, and those that list. And so two weeks ago, you started that series and looked at love. Last week, looked at the characteristic of joy. This week, we're coming to the characteristic of peace. What does that look like in a Christian's life? As I talk about Mark chapter 4, peace be still with the storm, I'm so thankful that when I got saved and when you trusted Christ as your Savior, uh, Jesus said, peace be still over your life, that you and I, we get complete peace with God and the peace of God in our life. And that's what I want us to learn about tonight. And so uh, you're there in John chapter 14. We're just gonna read one verse, so stand with me if you will. John chapter 14, and I wanna start tonight just by looking at John 14 and verse number 27. John chapter 14 and verse number 27. <clears throat> and here's what said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Again, Jesus says these words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let's pray and then we'll get in the passage tonight. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you and we want to thank you for your word. And we pray that as we get into uh, um, these thoughts tonight, Father, I just pray that you would help me. I pray that you'd speak through me. Pray, Lord, that each one of us would learn about your peace and about the uh, relationship with you that brings peace. 
And so, God, I pray that you'd bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. You ever had a gift that someone has given you and um, they gave it to you and they kind of had to explain what the gift was or maybe explain how to use the gift? Um, I can think of a lot of people that might get something for Christmas and you open it up and you go, oh, wonderful. It's a... And you're waiting for someone to chime in and tell you what the gift is. I know there's times like that, but I also know there's times where you know what the gift is. You know exactly what's in front of you, but you don't know all the details about it. I remember that when Hannah and I were celebrating our fifth anniversary, um, I had saved up and I purchased us a trip, an anniversary trip to Hawaii. Five years, we were going to go to Hawaii. And I remember that on our anniversary, we went to dinner and uh, we went to, we were right by uh, um, Puget Sound, a little town called Stillicum, right where I was raised. And, and we were there right by Stillicum and there's a little gazebo that looks over Puget Sound. And I remember we were standing there and looking out to beautiful sunset. And, and I just uh, said, I've got one more gift for you. And I pulled out this envelope and inside of the envelope, it had an itinerary for Hawaii. And uh, so she opened it and oh, we're going to Hawaii. Yeah, we get to go to Hawaii. And the next few questions from her was like, okay, when are we going? How did you pay for this? What's going to happen? What are the details? And we begin to talk through this trip and she knew what the gift was but she didn't necessarily know everything that went along with the gift. As you come to John chapter number 14, I kind of find, of course, um, uh, let, me, let me do it this way. Go to John 14, 1, and uh, you, can, you can read there in John 14, 1. Uh, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And uh, here's what's going on in John 14 is Jesus, he's telling the disciples, and you know this, but we'll kind of recover it, recap it just for a moment. Uh, Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, listen, I'm about to go away. Uh, but don't worry, I'm going to come back and get you. And he prefaced all of that with the phrase, let not your heart be troubled, because it would be very troubling. If you were a disciple and apostle of Jesus, you're following him, you're going along with him. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a while. Well, can we go with you? No. Well, can we, what are we supposed to do? Well, don't let your heart be troubled. So that's why he started with let not your heart be troubled. I'm about to go away. But if you jump down to, I think it's verse, uh, verse number 16, um, my Bible, and I'll tell you, yeah, verse, verse 16, he says this, uh, so he says, I'm going to leave, verse 16 of John 14, he says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm about to go away, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We're going to give you another comforter. Well, what's the comforter he's speaking about? He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that brings in uh, a great principle and a great doctrinal truth that we need to remember. When you and I receive Christ as our Savior, 
the Holy Spirit moves into our life. The Spirit of God takes up residence in my heart and in your heart. It's a principle taught all throughout Scripture, especially the book of John, the book of Romans, and a few of the prison epistles that Paul writes about. We can understand that when a person receives Jesus, the comforter moves into their life. What an awesome truth. What a great thing to know that God's presence is with me. Jesus said it this way later. He says, it's expedient or it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go, then the comforter can't come. I've said this before, and so I'm repeating myself, but if you think about it, why would it be expedient or better for Jesus to leave and the comforter to come? When Jesus was here physically, how many Jesuses were here? One. Okay, let's say that, let, let's, let's go and let's kind of give us a little a thought here. Let's say that Jesus stayed. Let's say he died, rose again, and then stayed. Didn't establish the kingdom, just let everything kind of roll the way it's going now, but he stayed as one individual. How much time do you think you and I would get with God on a yearly basis? Not much. Seconds. Because if he's going to go to every person, it would be seconds. Okay, but think about it this way. Now that Jesus is gone and he sent the Holy Spirit, how many have the Holy Spirit? Anyone that knows him, right? To many as received him, to them gave he the Spirit. All right, so if I've received Christ, now I have the Spirit. So now how much time can I spend with God? Anytime you want. Okay, so then it should make sense why he says it's expedient or better for you that I go away because if I go not, the comforter will not come to you. So he's presenting to them this idea. I'm gonna go away, but I'm gonna give you a gift, the gift of the comforter. As you move into the middle part of John chapter 14, Jesus is taking time to explain some details about that gift. We know what the gift is, it's the comforter. What are some details about it? Well, verse 27. Verse 27 is one of the details about the comforter. What comes along with the comforter? What's the very first word of Peace. number 27? Peace. Peace. One of the attributes or characteristics of the, of the comforter, of the Holy Spirit of God, is the attribute of peace. So I want us to take some time tonight, and I want us to understand some thoughts about peace and see if we can grow a little bit through the message tonight. I want you to notice, first of all, that every believer, every believer has peace with God. All right, every believer. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have peace with God. Here's what I mean by that. Every single person, every human being is born as an enemy of God. Uh, James says it this way, that before we receive Christ, we're at enmity with God. We're on the opposite side of God. And so we are doing things our way. And God says, I reject that. And you, are you and I, we're born sinners. We're born separated from a relationship with God. We understand that tonight. You agree with that? Say amen. Okay, we're on the same page that we are, we're born separated from God. We're born an enemy of God. We're born at war with God. We're born that way. Our flesh does not want the things of God. And Paul writes much about that in Romans 4, 5, and 6. And so our flesh is an enemy of God. So when Jesus came, Jesus came and he gave his life and he, he broke down the wall of partition. Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sin and my sin. And, uh, and he did all of that because of his love for us. And then Jesus presented himself as the gift, 
Romans chapter uh, 6, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so then let's say a person understands that. I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I am, have a broken relationship with God, and because of my sin, I deserve hell. But that's why Jesus came. I believe that Jesus was a perfect man and that he was uh, literally the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, and he came and lived a perfect life, died upon a cross for my sin. I believe he was buried and that he rose again three days later to prove that he was God and to prove that he could be trusted. So I believe that, and so I receive him as my Savior. That's what we call salvation, right? Someone can come to know salvation, receive Jesus Christ in their life by confessing with their mouth what they believe in their heart, Romans 10, 9, and 10. The moment that happens, I am no longer an enemy of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer at war with God. No, now I have peace with God. When you receive Christ as your savior, every believer comes to the place of having peace with God. Here's how Paul wrote it in the book of Ephesians, and this is a great place. Ephesians chapter three, verse 13 through 18, Paul says this, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ for he or because he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall uh, of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the flesh the enmity even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God and one body uh, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off and to them, which were nigh for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the father. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, listen, before salvation, you're at enmity with God. But when you receive Christ, he becomes your peace because he is our peace. He is the one that gives us peace with God. And just the simple thought is this, and, and I don't try to uh, re be repetitive, but it's this thought. When you receive Christ, you have peace with God. That's everybody. You have peace with God. Now, also at the point of salvation, we need to know that when, a, when someone gets saved, we not only have peace with God, but every believer receives peace from God. You receive, pre you receive peace from God. What does that mean? Well, look at our text in John 14, 27. Along with the comforter, the Holy Spirit, comes peace. Notice what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. So when you trusted Christ, God's peace is a part of your life. Not only do you have peace with God, but you have peace bestowed upon you or given to you by God. When I receive him as my savior, I'm given his peace, his rest, his calm in my life. All of this happens because of the Holy Spirit. All of this happens uh, because his spirit is in me. I now have his peace available to me. I've told the story before, but years ago, a man was uh, searching for the perfect picture of peace and he couldn't find it. And so he put out a contest between a bunch of artists and he had them draw their rendition of what, what peace looked like. 
And it came, to, it came time to unveil the winning piece of art or the winning uh, picture. And as everyone was gathered there and all of these artists were gathered, he had the, the uh, canvas up and it was covered by a blanket. And he went and he removed the, can, removed the blanket from this canvas. And everybody out, out in the audience just kind of gasped. <gasps> and and all, everybody started just kind of whispering. And the reason was because the picture in their eyes was far from peace. If you looked at the picture, you saw a, a, a cliffside and you saw the storms and the rain was kind of beating down on the just rain coming across the picture. And you could tell by the leaves that the wind was blowing and you could tell by uh, the waterfall in the background that it was just white rapids and you could just tell that it was just kind of a tumultuous scene. But as you looked closer, as you zoomed in and got up close to that picture, if you looked on one branch, you saw a nest. And in that nest, you saw a mother bird. And underneath that mother bird, underneath her wings, you saw the chicks of that mother bird just sitting there asleep. And he said, this to me pictures peace because it pictures tranquility in the storm. It pictures calm in the storm. And someone said that that's what it's like to understand the peace from God that's given me in my life. That no matter what's going on in my life, when I have Jesus, I can be at calm, I can be at peace, I can be at rest in any storm. You know, when you and I, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have that peace given to us. He said that phrase, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Paul said it this in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, his peace is now available to me because I have him as my savior. <clears throat> One man said it this way, that peace is not being where there is no storm or difficulty. Instead, peace is being in the midst of all the storms of life and yet remaining calm in my heart. So we know that every believer, when you get saved, you are given peace with God. You are offered peace from God. But the catch is that every believer must choose to live with the peace of God. You see, knowing that you and I have peace and living with peace are two different things. If you look at our passage in verse 27, Jesus said, peace I, give un I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And then he says this, let not your heart be troubled. If you go back to verse number one, he said the same thing. Let not your heart be troubled. The phrase, let not, it has to do with choice. Let not your heart be troubled. You choose to let your heart be troubled or to not let it be troubled. <clears throat> Peace is when my heart is not troubled. The storm is when my heart is troubled. So here's what I want us to understand tonight is that knowing I have peace with God, that belongs to everybody. If you know Christ as your savior, you have peace with God. You're no longer an enemy, you're a child. 
If you know Christ as your savior, you have peace from God. He's bestowed it to you. It's, it's a part of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God who lives in you, peace accompanies the Holy Spirit. But the thought then is I have to choose if I'm going to walk in the peace of God. <clears throat> how many of you enjoy vacations? You like vacations? Man, how many of you go on a vacation every day if you could? All right, good. You know, I know some people, they would say, man, a perfect vacation to me. You know, some ladies would say, it's going to a city and going shopping. And being, a, being given this much money and going shopping, it'd be a great vacation. Some guys would say, you know, going, going on vacation, that would be like going hunting. If I could go hunting or fishing, that's going to be vacation. <clears throat> but I want you to stop for just a second. I believe everybody in here has experienced this. Probably one of the best vacations that you've ever had is a vacation in which you did nothing. That's, prob that's regardless of your temperament, if you're a go, go, go person or a, you know, just sit back and relax, regardless of your temperament, every person here, if you look back and think about great vacations, probably at the top are the vacations where you did nothing. Here's, here's probably what it looked like when you were on your vacation that you would say, you know, it was a, it was a great one. Here's probably what you looked like most of that vacation. Maybe just reading a book, sitting on a beach, sitting in the mountains, something. Here's, here's the thought. Stay with me. What did you do on that vacation that was different from others? One word. You rested. You can sit and read a book, but what are you doing? You're resting. Even though you're reading, you're resting. You watch the sunset, you're resting. Maybe you're just kind of playing board games with your family. It's just a time of, of rest. You know what you're doing? You're just kind of taking all of the storms of life and you're saying they'll take care of themselves. I've got to rest. And you know what probably happened in your spirit? You experienced peace. So here's the thought regarding this idea of peace of God. You know what God wants us to do in our relationship with him? Just rest. We try to fight through everything. We try to figure everything out. Every storm of life, every relationship struggle, every financial difficulty, we try to, we try to solve it and accomplish it. And here's what the Lord often says. I want you just to rest in me. I want you just to trust me. I want you to realize that I am God, and I can use this. And when I rest, that's when I find peace. But we have to choose to walk and live in his peace or not. You and I, we I'm gonna choose tomorrow to wake up and let his peace rule in my heart or to wake up and say, I'm in control of this. I'm going to wake up and say, God, I trust you with my day. Help me to walk with you and, and just through my day, remind myself I can have his peace. Or I'm going to wake up and say, I'm going to handle this. I can handle my life and not walk in his peace. One man said it this way, in, in the world, peace is something you hope for or work for. 
But for the Christian, peace is God's wonderful gift received by faith. You know, walking in God's peace, it's just a step of faith. God, I believe that you're in control of everything and I can trust you. Peace, the world bases its peace on its resources, and this is key. God's peace depends upon relationship. Here's the simple thought that as you and I get closer to the comforter, we experience his peace more. As you get closer to the Lord, you'll experience more of his peace. Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. First John, or excuse me, John 16, 13, Jesus said these things, speaking about the word of God, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Hey, my peace is offered to you, but you have to choose to let his peace work in your life. You have to choose to let his peace rule in your heart. You have to choose to fall back and trust him and rest in him and let his peace rule in your life. You know, when you think about it, the closer I am to the Lord, the more I'm allowing, and the more I'm allowing his spirit to guide me, to lead me in my decisions, then the more I'm going to experience his peace. And we could, we could continue, we won't for time's sake, but we could look and understand that when you and I, when we're letting his peace rule in our lives, you know what God uses your life to do? He uses it to show peace to other people's lives. Talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Mount of Beatitudes, one of the things that Jesus said there is, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, you, you can't make peace with people if you're not at peace with God. You can't be peaceful and bring peace into your family if you're not allowing God to bring peace into you. But it happens with this choice. Let the peace of God. How do I let it? Choose to rest. Choose to trust. Choose to say, God, you're in control. God, I know that you have this. And God, I'm gonna trust in you. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed tonight and as we look at these thoughts, as we look at this passage, number one, maybe you're here and you don't have peace with God. You don't know for certain that heaven is where you'd spend eternity. And tonight, if you're here and you don't know that, I wanna encourage you that the best decision you could make is to receive Jesus Christ into your life. The best decision you could make is to have that peace with God. You can't be made right with God on your own you need only what Jesus can give. And if you're here and you don't know in your heart that he's your savior, that you've been forgiven, in just a few moments, we invite you to come and take a Bible. We'll take a Bible. We'll show you how you can know you're going to heaven. For those of you that are here and you do know Christ is your savior, maybe you understand that you have peace with God and that you've been afforded peace from God, but maybe lately you haven't been living with the peace of God. Maybe you've been kind of struggling with that trust, struggling with resting in him. And tonight, maybe the decision you need to make is, God, this week, this week, I wanna rest in you. God, this week, I wanna trust in you. God, this week, would you help me to experience your peace? Father, I pray that you'd bless the invitation, help us to respond to you as you've spoken to us. God, I pray that you'd help us Help us to allow your peace to rule in our life. 
Help us to realize, God, that as we draw closer to you, that your peace becomes more evident and more real in us. And Father, we pray that you would just bless the invitation in our time to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.